You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Hello, and today we are in Jönköping in Sweden, and uh, we are just having a, a very nice summer. That we, uh, it's in the end of the summer, and uh, we are having a lot of energy. And I'm having a chat here with Professor uh, Bogle Andersson Jere from Jönköping Academy, and me myself is uh, Nicolien Wackerberg, and I'm development leader at Kulturen. Uh, Bogle, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more. Who who are you? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess uh, I will try to make the short version of myself, uh, but I call myself often a hybrid. Uh, So I'm a practitioner from the beginning. I'm a pediatrician and work clinically for many years. Uh, And then I was the leader of of pediatric care in the Jönköping region, when we also had lots of collaboration with the Institute for Healthcare Improvement in Boston which gave me many uh, leadership tools, I think. (laughs) And that's how my um, interest deviated from clinical or purely clinical research to more improvement science and patient safety in in that area. So uh, on that end, I have have been the leader of some uh, research programs on that connected to practice, where we have had the arena of, of being in both fields. And uh, also, uh, since 2009, I'm professor at Jönköping Academy for Improvement of Health and Welfare. Uh, the hybrid part is also that I have been a research leader for many years in the Jönköping region. So it's kind of an idea of bridging practice and theory. Yes, yeah, so you have a lot of experience and you have also met a lot of other leaders and a lot of other groups and clinical groups. And yes. you're always talking about this complexity in a complexive adaptive systems. Yes. Can you explain a little bit about that? Well, I thought that uh, concept was so helpful in trying to understand what you do as a leader. Uh, if you think of uh, organizations as boxes that are connected with straight lines, uh, you don't understand what really is going on. So the idea of looking at health and welfare more uh, as a complective adaptive system with many actors, many power centers, many professions, many administrative areas, and in Sweden also political areas which unite in, in, in the actual doings. Uh, it, it, it helps you to understand or, or gives you tools to understand what is going on in a better way than thinking in straight and linear fashions. Yeah, so you are building understanding, but how are you coaching? Are you coaching these, these teams or how, how do you see that? Well, I like very much looking at, um, like the, the, you, you often think of organizations as a pyramid with yeah. hierarchical levels. Yeah. If you turn that pyramid around and have the the uh, microsystems where work is done, mm, the front line, the front line on top, and the leadership supporting what is going on, I think to have a joint uh, picture of that through the whole organization of seeing it as a complex adaptive system, because then as a leader you can understand more how you can coach and help the front line where actually things happen. Mm. That's where the value is created. 
what you need to do as a leader to support that. And that's where I think uh, the coaching style leadership is important because you cannot direct and say this is how it's going to be done and so forth because you are not the expert what is to happen in the microsystem. You have all the different professions and in the professional teams and all that and you have patients of different kinds and relatives and, and so forth. So you have to understand the dynamics of the microsystem and also of the connections between microsystem as a complex web. Mm-hmm. So you, you were telling me the leaders should not order and tell what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so what should the leaders do? Well, that is, I think, a really interesting uh, issue. And I don't think we completely know. But if, if we say we cannot do command and control yeah. in this highly, highly uh, what is, uh, if I say like this instead, in these organizations with such high competence, because they are really large learning organizations with lots of new knowledge coming in all the time and so forth. And as a leader, you are never an expert on all this. You can only uh, kind of direct and in complex adaptive system theory, you often talk about simple rules and joint values. So that's what you can seed and lead by. And then you have to have a follow-up system that gives you feedback Mm -hmm. from different levels of the system that you own together with the different levels. These are kind of the basic tools in in, in the leadership uh, scenario. So the simple rules, could could you give me an example of a simple rule? Well, in Sweden, for example, uh, the equity in health Mm. is a large simple rule, but it's something that we all kind of agree on politically that that is an important aspect of healthcare mm. to support equal health and also prevention and all that. Yeah. Uh, and also on the social side to create more health, you need to uh, more equally, you need to have the social side with you. That's one area which is of course very broad, but it is a simple rule that we strive for more equal health. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there can be others that are, but if you go to the microsystem, yeah you still can apply that simple rule. So how do you see to it that it's the whole population you serve that you actually reach Mm. and provide it in the way they need it? So it's applicable on all levels of the system. Mm. You were talking about simple rules, but you were also talking about values. And what you were talking about just now is a bit of a value as well. I agree, I agree. Do we have other values that you say that's very important to coach as a leader? Yes, I think there are, uh, we have for a long time talked about person-centered care in Sweden, in research, especially we talk a lot about shared decision making. Uh, And now I think the the concept that we are now trying to understand more about is the co-production. If we see uh, health and welfare organizations as service organizations rather than production, uh, it gives you a different view. And then, of course, you you need to think deeply around the relations and the power relations between the professionals and those you are there for. Mm. Yeah, and you... that's a value. That's a value if you if you think that that should be more uh, symmetrical, uh, symmetrical power balance. How do you make that? Because we are not there yet. So what do you give me for advice? How do you make that? 
I think it's the constant awareness mm -hmm. and uh, so having these continuous conversations over together, mm -hmm. of course, because you cannot guess what other people need and so forth. And we haven't come far enough yet on, on these conversations and dialogues on, on how we understand what different people need to actually ask from healthcare support then in the best way. Uh, and that's one thing. And I think also coming more to a reflective practice. That's where I think the coaching comes in. Uh, because a, a reflective practice needs to stop once in a while to see, so how do we actually live up to our values and the simple rules that we have? And in a coaching fashion, coach these reflective um, moments will be very important or crucial, I would say, to understand your system in a new way, to put on new glasses, I would say. So, so these reflective moments, mm -hmm. are, are these moments for leaders or are these moments for, for everybody? How do you see that? I, I think they are really needed on all different constellations. Yeah. Since we at uh, Futurum in Jönköping region have the responsibility for practice-based learning for many students, I think one of the important things for students together with uh, the professionals in the microsystem would be to sit down in the end of the day and have a reflective moment and which would need coaching by one or two of the supervisors. So that's really deep into the actual work. Yeah. Leadership groups, of course, also need to reflect on when you get new numbers and figures on what the system is creating. Uh, it takes a lot of reflection to see how do we interpret this and what actions do we need to take? Exactly, because sometimes I have a feeling the reflection is more an explanation. Yes. This happened. Yes. Uh, but we should turn it to the action. What yes. are we going to do exactly. so, to prevent it or in another way? It, and exactly. the last part is a bit difficult. So, so how do you coach that? Well, I think that's really interesting. I think many have heard of the researchers Argyris and Schoen. Yes. They wrote about uh, reflection in action. Mm and afterwards reflection on action. Mm. And I would add to that reflection for action. Yes. Because sometimes we don't get out of the starting blocks. We just make the analysis and have good ideas what happened and in patient safety, for example. But what does that mean that we need to do and try out with the new PDSA cycle of thinking of mm. plan, do, study, act? And how do we know if that creates a better situation than before? Yeah, so in a way you are telling us, don't explain, but do some. Yeah, you can have the explanation. You, you need a good you, analysis. Yes. You need a really good analysis uh, that, you, that you reflect on. But from there you also need to get to the action. Yeah, so all the coaches need to have an action plan. Yes. And don't yes. go out of the room before you have an action plan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, I think, in, in quality improvement, we too quickly jump to the action phase without having the basis. Sometimes not, but sometimes we do that. Uh, on the other hand, in patient safety, we sometimes analyze and analyze and analyze and never get into the action. So I think these two fields, if we want to create what people talk about a lot now, the learning health systems, we need to merge this thinking because it is this kind of cyclical thinking, learning from what we are doing and getting the feedback and then take next steps for action. 
Yeah, so as a coach, you have to be careful that you you have to analyze, but yes. that it's not a paralyzed by analyze. A exactly. Uh, so and where is this this boundary? When when do we analyze too much, and when do we analyze too little? How how yes. do we know that? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think there is one answer. No, uh, but <laughs> the answer for me would be again reflective practice. Yeah, because if you continuously use some time to actually see what happens work as done yeah. and not work as imagined is another those terms that turn up sometimes but to really understand how work is done and doing that jointly with the people who actually do the work yeah, yeah. is one way to do that and i think that kind of conversations or dialogues need coaching mm. so you actually get somewhere yeah yeah I heard somebody else, um, he told me that he had a, a simple rule. He said that you need to have about three meetings and if after three meetings, if you don't get it done, then then your analysis is too much. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that can be a simple rule, that mm -hmm. not more yeah. than three meet meetings and then we should test something else. Yes. Um, well, and then of course the helpful tool is, for example, a fishbone diagram. Yeah. That you have already kind of looked at different options. It yeah. might not be the first thing you jump on that was the right one or the best one. So then you go back and see, so what other options did we have? I have so many times when we started with quality improvement work at the pediatric department, we said, well, it doesn't work. So we'll, 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 we won't go into this question anymore. Okay. That wasn't the right attitude. So what else did we see? What yeah. other options were there? Or is it a combination of options we need to do to actually make something happen? That's where I think the quality improvement tools can be very helpful. Yeah, so don't give up, just look nope. for another option. Mm -hmm. And maybe, as you said, maybe it's a combination. Because we have some ideas in, in the lean, uh, just test one thing, because then you know this was the one thing that, that's helpful. Yes. But in the complex complexity, exactly. we know it's, it's never one thing. That's exactly, and, and yeah. that's where also yeah. why I really uh, uh, think that complexity adaptive system idea is very helpful because you can very seldomly just find one issue that is behind. It's social technical, it's, it's human factors, it's uh, technical factors, it's all kind of social arrangement things, social material things and so forth. So uh, constantly exploring and being curious. So I think curiosity and dialogue and, and a coach that can coach that curiosity and dialogue in a yeah. good way yeah. is really helpful. So this social part is about social relationship and yes. social capital. Do you think we are using our social capital in healthcare? I think we do in some ways because I think uh, healthcare would never work and we know it works very well in many, many instances. And I think that's also important to say often so that professionals also get empowered in seeing that people are actually doing a very good job, but it can always be better. So I think we do that, but to become even better, we could do it in a smarter way. And that's where I think, like you say, you mentioned lean here. It's, it's dangerous to see just one solution and one too linear solution, because that could uh, lead us to lose some of the social um, uh, glue yeah. that is there and I think some of the stress uh, that is going on in the healthcare systems is due to that that it has been too much seen as linear production lines and so forth and we lose the people part yeah, yeah. And, and and the main 
inner driver for professionals in health and welfare is the, the social part, the people part. And so we need to catch that in, in a better way. Yeah, so the coaches should really be aware of that. And yes. what you tell me, the glue. Yeah. Um, maybe is, is it the coach who is the glue between, uh, between the, the systems? Or should the coach just inspire to, to see the other people who are the, gl the glues? Then? I, I think the latter yeah. is yeah. important yeah. because otherwise it, it gets to be a person thing. Yeah. And it's not a person thing, it's something that needs to be an inner drive and, and habit uh, with everyone that you do this reflective piece. But you, sometimes you need help to get into the joint reflection with your peers. Yes, yes. And that's the coaching. <laughs> yeah, that's the coaching. Yes. Um, we are talking a lot about, uh, about accountability and I, I hear another word, it's called social accountability. Mm -hmm. Are you uh, familiar? Is that a new word or how do you see that? It's uh, has been for a, for a long time one of the areas in the eight domains of knowledge oh. for improvement. Uh, uh, and I think that's really what many of us or most of us in healthcare feel. Mm that we have a social obligation to actually do that on an individual level and also in a team and in an organization on an organizational level mm -hmm. and that's again where i think the reflection and the dialogues are so important so so we talk about that social accountability i think we can be much better yes. just just to to to, to take this in the reflection. Yes. Are we social accountable? Yes. Are we there? Yes. Are we there? Yeah. And, and I think when people get very uh, stressed, uh, you try to put these things uh, away yeah. because it's too heavy. It, yeah. it just gets to be a big burden and you don't feel fulfilled as a professional. Yeah. And so to really um, stimulate and, and let that be the inner driver and let that come out is really important. And I think from a, a very small study, uh, some colleagues uh, performed at the Jönköping Academy in primary care, uh, looked into six um, successful primary care units and they did interviews and observations. And it was very obvious that if the leadership could align with the professional inner drivers, that's when the good things happened. Yeah. Innovations could happen, but they also needed some freedom to do this uh, innovative practice and not be in command and control, but to get the support to actually uh, get the inner drivers to make these innovations and so forth. I think that was really powerful. And how can you be so curious so that you can find these inner drivers as a leader? Um, I think it's really a, uh, a basic trait that should be in all leaders to be because you, you lead mainly people yeah. in these kind of learning organizations. You mainly lead people. You, you have to be curious and, and you have to have a picture of what you are leading. And it's not a bag of money. The money are the resources to actually create things, but you are leading a, again, complex adaptive system mm -hmm. uh, with all its aspects. Mm -hmm. It can be a difficult question if you ask people um, what's your inner drive um, because they already have a profession. They are a nurse, they are a doctor, they are a physiotherapist and they are oh, I'm just making people better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so how could you find the drive for improvement because mm -hmm. the, 
I think that's a really interesting question. I think one thing is to, uh, which, which I, we have used in some educational situations, to look back. Why did you, as a young person, choose to go into this profession? Mm. Because you can kind of relate to your inner self that is not colored by all other things that happen. So that's one thing, I think. And, and then, uh, again, get the chance to reflect on things. And uh, then I think there are uh, both uh, qualitative and quantitative triggers. So I know Margie Godfrey, who wrote her thesis on coaching in uh, coaching healthcare improvement. She had this little button that said on one side, every story has a number. And on the flip side, it said every number has a story. Mm. And, and I think that's one of the uh, important triggers. So if you came into health or welfare organizations because you really wanted to make things better for people that you are serving, uh, you need to be reminded and triggered. Uh, uh, continuously to see, did we succeed in that? Did we do the best we could? How could we do it even better? And then you need both the stories and the data. So it's not an either or, but these are triggers then for you to keep alive with your inner drives, I think. I can imagine that there are people telling, uh, I have so many patients on my waiting list, so I just do my patients. Mm -hmm. And I don't have time to reflect about the organization. Mm -hmm. And um, how will you cope with that? Yes, uh, I, I think it's possible to, um, to uh, awaken the curiosity mm -hmm. again in most people. But, but you need to find different uh, areas, of do, uh, different ways of doing that, but where people feel very secure. Uh, a colleague in primary care here uh, uh, was a um, medical leader at an, uh, a primary care center. He gathered the um, physician group there to look into why they had so high costs for um, laboratory x-rays and everything. And they looked in that very safe six people group on how they did each person. They did things very differently. They had the same guidelines, they had all these. They were good doctors, they cared for their patients. When they saw this data, they were amazed and said, what? Do I do it this different than that one? And, and for example, one uh, physician who did, took a lot of x-rays and one did not. And she said, well, that's a lot of job for the patient to go to the hospital for an x-ray and all that. I should probably do differently because your patients do just as well. But without that very safe environment where you could have these open conversations over what is going on, it's not the leader that comes and says, why, why do you do this and why do you do that? That doesn't work. So you have to tease out the curiosity uh, in different uh, contexts for yeah. different people. Yeah, yeah. So uh, These are just small concrete examples, but I think that's what needed. I know that's what the listeners want to hear yes. <laughs> because they want to use um, some tools and yes. so. Um, so we have been talking about complexity. We have been talking about um, finding triggers mm -hmm. as a coach and a reflective, mm -hmm. um, reflective awareness mm -hmm. every day, mm -hmm. every day. Is mm -hmm. there something more you want to add or, or sum up? Mm. No, I think these are the kind of ingredients and uh, I don't think there is a 
simple answer or simple solution in complex systems, but it's part of the uh, trigger to keep alive, to be curious about all these things and see what, what, what can help me to orient continuously. Because we don't want chaos, but we can handle complexity. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.